And uh, like all meetings, you get kind of prepared for them, right? You, you start prepping and you get all your presentation ready and you get your answers to questions. You start to brainstorm. You know, what kind of questions am I going to get? Uh, because you want, you want to kind of look smart during the meetings, right? And uh, this meeting could happen uh, anytime. I'm not sure if it's going to happen today. It could happen a week from now. It could happen a while from now. But I got a meeting, and that meeting's with Jesus. And I got to be honest with you, I've been just consumed the past like six months. What's going to happen when I meet Jesus? What's that meeting going to be like? And uh, uh, I don't know, maybe I'm just because I'm middle-aged or who knows. I just uh, I can't get it out of my head. Everything I do, I know that Jesus says every word that comes out of my mouth. Oh, gosh, it's going to be judged. <laughs> and all my actions, you know, my salvation's set, but all my works are going to be looked at. I'm going to end up in front of the Bema seat, I'm going to in front of Jesus, and he's going to kind of question me about what I did in my life. And I'm excited about it, and I'm terrified about it, because, um, yeah, can you imagine what it's going to be like to be in front of Jesus? Now, theologically speaking, that meeting, most people think it happens like at the end of the millennium. Um, Revelations 20, if you read that, it talks about the meeting. Some people think it happens right when you die. You need Jesus. Why wouldn't you have a meeting right then? Some people think it's when the rapture happens. And I, I would tell you, it doesn't matter when it happens. What matters is it's, that it's going to happen. You're going to meet Jesus. Every knee shall bow. Everybody's going to meet Jesus. And I, and I tell people that are not believers, they say, well, you know, I, I don't believe in God. I say, that's okay. God believes in you. <laughs> what are you going to do when you see Jesus? What do you mean? What are you going to see him? What are you going to, what are you going to say? Oh my gosh, it's real. What are you going to do, right? What if, what if, you know, if you're wrong and I'm right, wow. If you're right and I'm wrong, it's no big deal. There's no consequence, right? So I want to take a few moments today and kind of show you what I think my meeting's going to look like. Those of you who are laughing, that's good. You know me well enough. <laughs> and I want to show you kind of demonstratively what I think that meeting is going to look like. Um, I'm a lousy actor, so show me some grace, but I want to walk you through my meeting with Jesus. I got Jesus here. You thought I was kidding. Commandments and see how you get. This isn't going to go well, is it? 
You'll be fine, Tom. Let's just, let's just get started. First, did you have any other gods before me? Heck no, Jesus, you're always my God. I never had any other God before you. Are you kidding me? Tom, what about your job? What about your title? What about your money? What about your influence? What about your pride? What about your... Those, those sanctimonious little defense mechanisms you had. What about those? Didn't you put those ahead of me? Well, when you put it that way, that's what you meant by that whole bone and marrow thing you talked about? Yep, I'm separated between the bone and marrow, Tom. When you put it that way, yeah, I guess I put a lot of stuff ahead of you. Good, good. I'm glad you recognized it. Let's talk about the next one. Did you make any idols? Did you make anything with your hands and worship it? No, of course not. I can't build anything. You know that. <laughs> no, you didn't. That was good, Tom. You got, you got that one right. Well, let's, let's go to this third one. Did you ever use the Lord's name in vain? Uh-oh. Yeah, Tom. I got a count of 53,612. Holy Thomas! I was going to say moly, I swear. Holy moly. You got a mouth on you, son. I got better. You did get better. Did you ever uh, keep the Sabbath? You know, I, I, I wanted you to rest so you could be fulfilled and do my work. Sabbath, that meant football days, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, you didn't keep the Sabbath very well for most of your life. Did you kill anybody? Commit adultery? Oh, Jesus, didn't you say that I even thought about it? I did it? I said it. Well, yeah, I killed people. But in my defense, it was while I was driving. <laughs> and yeah, I had lust. I certainly did that too. I think you're getting this, Tom. Honesty is the best policy here. Do we need to go into the stealing thing? No, no, we don't. I did that too. What about bearing false witness? I think false was, I think that would be bad. I think that, Thomas, did you do it? Do you mean that I lie about people and stuff? Yeah, I, I did that too. I'll give you this talk. You didn't covet, and you did honor your mom and dad. And your dad was hard to honor, and you still did that. So I will, I will give that one to you. So let's take a look here. Out of the ten, you blew seven of them routinely. Well, I guess no prizes this go around, huh? Let's go a little deeper, shall we? Why not? I'm on a roll. I told you that if you loved me, you would do what I commanded. Do you love me? Of course I do, Jesus. Of course I do. Did you do what I commanded? Sometimes. Let me go through the easy stuff, the low-hanging fruit for you, Tom. Did you judge? Yes. Did you love your enemies? Uh, not always. Did you pray for those who persecuted you? Yes! But probably not what you wanted me to. <laughs> 
Did you forgive as you were forgiven? I tried. Did you turn the other cheek and not take offense? <sighs> not, as, not as much as I should have. Did you love your neighbor as yourself? Have you met my neighbors? <laughs> Did you love the unlovable? That's why you called them unlovable, Lord. <laughs> well. Did you give sacrificially, not just out of your wealth? Did you show mercy and grace? Oh, grace is a hard one for me, Lord. Did you speak the truth no matter the cost? I tried. Did you? Well, not as hard as I should have. Did you focus on heavenly things? Did you die in the world? Did you pick up your cross and bear it daily? Did you put others' needs ahead of your own? Did you love me with all your heart, mind, and soul and strength? Or did you just love me when it was convenient? Did you rejoice in all circumstances? Did you see my circumstances? No, I didn't do that. Did you sin in your anger? Yes, I did. Were you reconciled with everybody? Eventually. Did you seek revenge against people? In my head, I didn't actually do it. Did you abide in me? Did you go to the nations and make disciples as I told you to? You've heard of all this stuff, no? Yes, Jesus, I heard. I have a lot more things I could ask you. How do you think you did with these basic ones? Jesus, I uh, tell you that the first 40 years of my life, uh, I, I didn't do any of it. I claimed you as my Lord and Savior, but I didn't really try, honestly, to do any of it. But after those 40 years, I really did put in an effort. But honestly, I did pretty miserable, didn't I? Well, Tom, I'm not sure I'd go that far. Yes, you fell short. I called you into the ministry when you were 10 years old, and you ignored me. It took another 30 years before you did it. Imagine what we could have done together, you and me, in those 30 years. But it's not like you're a complete loss. Let me show you some things that you did that I'm so proud of you. You were never ashamed of my name, ever. Even when you didn't understand me, you told people about me. You always comforted those in need. You showed grace and mercy more than you ever knew. You were incredible at forgiving. Just amazing ability to forgive those who hurt you. That came from me, you know, right? Yes, lady. You gave sacrificially your time, talents, and treasures. You were generous. You did not, you did allow the Holy Spirit to transform you into a new creation. Took you a long time, but you got there. 
And when that happened, Tom, you learned to love people unconditionally. You went from hating people to loving them unconditionally. And I'm proud of you about that. You led by serving. You defended the faith. And you lost friends and family because of it. You poured yourself into others. You finally followed my call for you, giving yourself to me in ministry. You did pick up your cross and bear it daily. You handled my word with fear and trembling. You shared the gospel with people and were concerned about their eternity. You learned to pray for those who persecuted you. You made disciples. You humbled yourself. You sought forgiveness from those you hurt in life. Each day, you died a little more to the world. You allowed me to bring good out of your bad circumstances. And most importantly, you sought to glorify me in all things. Well, Lord, I guess I wasn't such a loser after all, huh? No, Tom. My beloved son, who I love, who I died for, well done, good and faithful servant. That's not all that happens in that meeting. According to 1 Corinthians 3, 12-15, all of our works are going to be put to the test through fire. Let me read this to you. It says, uh, anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. Not their salvation, mind you, just their work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. These are those rewards we talk about. Run the race as if to win, right? Store your treasures in heaven, not on earth. These are those rewards that Jesus talked about. However, if your works are burned up in that fire, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though as one escaping through the flames. If you read scripture, you see that we're going to get crowns and other rewards in heaven. And we don't do what we do just to get the crowns and other rewards in heaven. You know, we're not, we're, that's not how this works. But Jesus says, if you pick up your cross daily and bear it, if you die to this world, I'm going to reward you for your faithfulness and your obedience. Now, I want you to think about this for a second. You're standing before the king. Sorry for the cutouts. The best I can do on short notice. And the fire has happened. And what's left are your rewards. It could be jewel. I don't know what it is. It's great. And you've got your crowns. And you know what we get to do? We get to lay them at the feet of our king. These aren't mine. They're his. I get to give the king my rewards.
breaks my heart. Could you imagine what you'd feel like in front of Jesus? Nothing to get. I, I, I can't live like that. And I'll be honest, this is what's on my mind. This meeting, this is why it's on my mind. Those of you who know me, though, I'm kind of on fire for going out in the world and doing stuff. And it's not that I'm innately like to do that stuff. It's because Jesus has such a hold on me right now, and the Holy Spirit has me so on fire that I want, to, I want to win this race. I want to run it as hard as I possibly can. And I know that when Jesus and I get in front of each other, that first 40 years isn't going to go well. My motives were impure. My actions were worse. And this may have been a tongue-in-cheek way of doing it, but trust me, I know what I'm going to feel like when I get in front of them when we start going through things. Because even the good stuff I did for people was for the wrong motive. It was for my pride, not his glory. But I also know what the back end is going to look like. From 40 years old on, how hard I have just, I don't know the word, strove, striven, whatever the declination is on that. How hard I've worked, let's say that, to do it his way. So that at the end of the day, when I see him, once I get off my face, I've got something to show for it. I have something to give him. Paul said, uh, of all the sinners in the room, I'm the worst. And that's how I feel. He died for my sins. God sees me as holy and righteous. I want to do everything I can every day to glorify him and make him proud of me. But it means we have to use our gifts, talent, time, sacrificially. We have to give until it hurts. We have to not worry about this worldly stuff. We have to trust in the Lord so much for provision and everything that comes from Him. We need to do things that seem stupid to everybody else. So when He looks at you in the eye, and trust me, He's going to. Some of you are getting there before me. You can look in the eye right back. And he will tell you, well done, good and faithful servant. Now here's the best part about it. After he says that, you know what he says? You were in charge of little things on earth. I'm going to put you in charge of big things. Now those of you who know me like, know I like to be in charge of big things. So I'm excited about that part. <laughs> I, can, I can get, you know, he can partner and do bigger things. Woo! Pretty great. My encouragement for you today is this. Think about this meeting you have coming up. I'm worried I have family members that are not prepared at all to meet him. And their meetings can go extraordinarily badly. How's your meeting going to go? How are you with those Ten Commandments? You as bad as me? How are you when you drive? 
following with all those commands of Jesus. Are you working on it? Right? Are you, are you, do you hate your sin? Or do you just go, eh? I mean, people will say, oh, God will understand. Really? That scares me. So I want you to do this. Think about the meeting you're going to have. But pray for those. Pray fervently for those who you know are going to have a meeting that's not going to go as well. Hey, Pat, can we show a little video? Do you think that'll work? I got a little video. Francis Chan, I love this guy. It's a little brainy, but it'll illustrate the point a little bit more. Whatever, you know, it's just there's so much instability, so much that we don't understand, that we don't know. For me, growing up, it was a, uh, why do you guys know my mom died giving birth to me? Then my dad remarried, then my stepmom died in a car accident when I was nine. Then my dad got married again. Then my dad died of cancer when I was 12. And so I'm in junior high, my mom's dead, my stepmom's dead, my dad's dead. The only close relatives I had were my, my aunt and uncle, George and Sandra. And then when I was in high school, they got in a fight, and my uncle George shot and killed my aunt, and then stuck the gun to his own head, killed himself. So I'm 16 years old, and this is life to me, going, man, what's next? Everything seems to be falling apart, and we get a little worried, we get a little scared. And this is what Christians do, you know, they try to serve God, but then things get a little rocky, and things get a little unstable, and so we go, okay, that was nuts. I don't, I don't, want, to, I don't want to live like that. Let me, uh, let me hold on. And this is your routine. This is what so many people do. They go, you know what, I'm not going to try anything crazy. I'm just going to sit here, and uh, I'm just going to hold on. And uh, this is what you look like. You just go, uh, this is what people do. You know what, I'm just going to have my nice little family. We're just going to, um, you know, we're just going to keep to ourselves. We're going to live in a gated community. I'm going to homeschool my kids. Make them wear helmets everywhere. I'm going to, um, you know, I'm not going to let them outside because sun has bad rays. I'm going to, um, you know, just on and on and on, and you just live your life in the safety of, I don't want to do anything crazy for God, I just, I just want to, you know, go to church on Sundays and maybe give like 2%, um, and uh, maybe serve health in the nursery because I feel guilty. And then you do this your whole life, and then you, you go, your greatest prayer is like, God, you know what, I would love to die in my sleep and not even feel it, and then just go up to heaven. And so you want to die like this, just in your sleep, boom, right in the middle of a dream, good dream, the dream you're going to heaven, and you don't even feel it, and then suddenly you wake up, you stand before the judge, and you go... <laughs> <laughs> now, if... Uh, Could you imagine, could you imagine watching the Olympics, you know, and some girl does that, just gets up there, starts straddling the thing, and then steps off and goes, <laughs> what is the judge supposed to do on the card? You see, and to me, I go, man, that's the routine that so many Christians are headed for. That's the routine, the boring, I do nothing crazy because I don't want to fall. I, I, that, that's the routine that they're going to live, and then one day it's going to be a shock because they're going to step off that balance beam and realize they're standing before the judge. They're standing before the judge, and you 
think he's going to look at that routine and go, wow, well done. Well done. You lived the safest life possible. You didn't slip, you didn't fall. See, that's not the life that God's called us to. That's where the majority will head. But I don't want to go where the majority goes. And I don't want you to go where the majority goes. I want you to get on that balance beam and do backflips and twists and turns and jumps and fall off and hit your head, hit the ground, get back up, you're bloody, you bleed. I, I want you guys just to go out there and give everything you got to this. Because if you truly believe what the Bible says, that you're going to meet Jesus at the end of this, risk everything. Risk everything. Okay, I'm done. Glad <laughs> <laughs> I ask the uh, praise team to come back up. We'll finish our final song. Please stand up.